Hey, dear listeners, Steve Preda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And my guest today is Emma Jaws, the co-founder and CEO of SoWork, with a mission to move the world of work by building virtual spaces that empower teams to crush it from anywhere in the world. Emma, welcome to the show. Steve, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Wow. This is going to be our first episode metaverse related and i'm already looking into this because there are lots of things you told me on our pre-call but let's start from the beginning so you graduated as a neuroscientist so how does a neuroscientist become running a ceo of a metaverse startup how does that even happen yeah it's a great question so one of the things i realized when i was really deep in my phd computational neuroscience i was between harvard and mit and I, when I started, I realized there's amazing resources here. I should make sure while I'm at school at these amazing places with these amazing minds, I should take advantage of what's here. And one of the places I want to take advantage of was the Harvard Innovation Labs, which is a place that students go to get support in starting their ventures. I didn't have a venture, but I just wanted to hang out and immerse myself in that as one of the many resources that the school offered. And when I got there, I realized... I am a generalist. I am not a specialist. I'm a generalist, very deep in a PhD program. And so just being around that opened my eyes to what really got me excited. And I woke up and I realized I'm really deep in a specialist field and I need to back myself out and lean into my more generalist tendencies. And from there, I was like, I absolutely lit up by everything that's going on here. I have a million ideas and ways that I think I can make the world better. I think I found a way to borrow from my background. I had a psychology background and then more of a computational neuroscience background and borrow from that and use that in my leadership style and communication and things like that. And then be able to lean more into my generalist tendencies by starting to run startups. And I haven't looked back since. Okay, very interesting. So you went from a science background, you discovered that you have this generalist inclination, and then you made this conscious switch, which is sounds pretty unique. I've not seen people really be aware of that, but maybe that's because you're a neuroscientist. You're seeing your own th- your own thinking, your <laughs> own uh, tendencies. That's pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about how you came upon this whole concept. I mean, you said that the startup didn't begin in this direction and you had a couple of pivots. So what happened and how did you find this uh, metaverse positioning that SoWork is now pursuing? Yeah, it's a great question. So like many young companies, we pivoted, started in one space, learned a lot, realized it maybe wasn't a big market, tried something else. And this company that we're working on today, the product we're building called SoWork, it's actually from two pivots. We started out in the education space. I used to work at Khan Academy and created content for nursing and medical students. And so at first I was like, man, this process is brutal. I could create software to make it easier, better, faster. And then I realized, oh no, I'm solving the wrong problem. There's actually too much content out there. How could I think about helping people navigate content, not contributing to the content proliferation? And how could I actually make it easier for learners, whether students or other, to take advantage of the content in a way that worked for them? So then we moved into... Let's flip the problem on its head 180 degrees. Let's build recommendation algorithms. I obviously can tell my slant came from computational neuroscience. So I had a bit of a recommendation bent. I said, let's build recommendation algorithms that basically consume the content that's out there and try to tell students, hey, this is maybe an order you could try to move in one piece of content at a time. 
It's a very hard problem, but we had some traction and then the pandemic happened. And in the pandemic, people weren't looking for ways to work by themselves and be asynchronous. They were actually looking for ways to be synchronous. And our team was exactly the same. So we were thrown online just like everybody else, but we actually had something that we did about it internally, which is we created a, a very janky, hacky product just for ourselves that allowed us to come together in a room and be in the same place. And that was the very original version of our product. And we allowed our students who were using our other product to use it as well. And as soon as they did, and as soon as we started taking our own meetings in our product, the second one, we realized we were onto something much bigger than what we'd been working on before. And then it became a question of, and we argued with our investors about this a lot, is the world of work truly going to change forever after the pandemic? Or is this a temporary moment in time and you should stay the course with what you were working on before? And we believed we had a strong conviction that work would change in some forever. So we took the leap and then everything left off from there. Yeah. You can't put the genie back into the bottle. Exactly. It's so interesting. During the pandemic, some of my clients hired remote people because it didn't matter at the time. And then they realized that by doing that, they actually opened the door to remote hiring and now they couldn't close it. So now they are embracing it. But then it turns out now they are a virtual company and then they have to deal with all the fallouts and the negatives of it. Absolutely. So I'd like to ask you about how that works. But before that, I quickly want to go a little bit in a different direction. The theme of this podcast is Management Blueprints. So do you have a favorite framework that you have applied or you are applying in your business? Either you discovered it or you created it or you tweaked it that you would like to talk about? I love frameworks. So I just love the entire purpose of what you're doing here. But I'm a strong discerner, which means I usually borrow ideas from others and then smash them together to form new things. But I didn't actually create it. Someone else did. And in true form, one of my favorite frameworks is Working Genius with a twist. So just a brief overview. Working Genius, what I love about it is... Not that there's anything wrong with, say, something like Predictive Index or Myers-Briggs, but those are static. Like you are a INFP or you are a venturer. But with Working Genius, it says, actually, it doesn't really matter what you are. You have different things that you feel stronger in doing, and you have different things that you maybe feel less stronger in doing. And it focuses around the phases of work where we move from wander to actually implementing an idea. So You could think about it in plain English. You say, I think this could be done better. I think we could do work better. That would be wonder. Idea would be, I have an idea. Let's build a virtual workplace. Let's build a workplace metaverse. Okay, that's the idea. Then there's something called activation, which happens in the middle. So before building the workplace metaverse, Working Genius has exposed that there's actually some really important steps that happen in the middle that we maybe didn't have language or ways to think about them. And activation says discernment. Hold on. Does workplace metaphors actually solve the problem that you wanted to solve before it? If it does, here's some gaps that I see. So the discerner sort of sits there and says, okay, if you want to do this, here's the things that, yeah, exactly. Let's stay here and make sure we really work this out based on what we're trying to accomplish. I'm a discerner often seen as annoying, but in the end, people appreciate it. And then there's galvanization, which is like, okay, we're there. We're ready. Let's do it. Let's get everyone excited. Let's get everyone involved. Let's make it a team effort. That's your galvanizer. Your enabler says, okay, if we're going to do that, Steve really does well if he's set up in this way. So let's give Steve this. And Janet maybe needs this. So let's give Janet that. And that's your enablement. And Tenacity says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this all the way through to completion. Give it a task. Let me run with it. Let me check it off. And I love that so much because anyone can play any of those roles. 
However, many of us have parts of those phases work that we're more naturally inclined. And so you can think of it as how do you bring individuals together and help them lean into their thrive zones and together we all move through that and accomplish something great. So it allows individuals to be put together to teams. So that's why I love working genius. And I think that, so the twist that I add to it, which I'll just present at a high level is those phases of work, they aren't linear. Work goes backwards sometimes and work goes forwards. And it's also not happening at one level. So there could be strategic moving through ideas and there can also be more execution. And so I like to introduce these different dimensions to the working genius framework because it's so dynamic. It lends itself nicely to say, are we in the strategy phase? Are we in the execution phase? Very different phases of work, but all of them have wander all the way through to tenacity. And then the other is, are we going backwards? Did we implement something, but then we actually realized something. Now we're going backwards through the framework. We're maybe going back to idea and then we're maybe going forwards again. And you can use those different components of work to figure out where does your team really thrive, not just in which phase of work, but are you more interested and excited about strategic work and you get really bored and frustrated once we're in the implementation execution details or maybe the opposite. So I love to twist it to get a bit deeper on what does it mean for people to thrive and work and how can you combine them into these really magical units to form superpower teams? Yes. So for those of you who are not familiar, listeners, with The Six Working Geniuses, this is a book by Patrick Lencioni or Lencioni that came out, I think, a few months ago, but the program been around for about a year. And it's a very simple framework, a very powerful, and as always, Pat Lencioni explains it through a fable, so it's very easy to grasp it. So I really recommend reading the book, listening to the book, and then embracing this. And I'm, I already scheduled some of my annual strategic planning meetings with my clients, and they, I'm going to teach all of them how this works, and we're going to figure this out. So it's going to be great. But I love it that you added another dimension, actually two other dimensions. It's like a four-dimensional matrix now. So you've got the six widgets. So wonder, invent, discern, galvanize, implement, enablement, enable, enable, and tenacity. And then you have the strategic and execution. Plus it can be go forward or go back. So that's a pretty complex one. And you probably have to go to Harvard and be a computational <laughs> neuroscientist to actually visualize this. But anyway, so let's talk a little bit about your company, Sovork, and this whole metaverse idea. So a lot of companies have come to the conclusion that they have to embrace uh, the world of work, which is basically based on Zoom or Teams. So people understand that you can have meetings on Zoom and maybe you just meet once a quarter or whatever. How can you take this to the next level? So what does work does that takes this to the next level? And what does this look like? Yeah, totally. I think one of the things that we can think about is what we just described there is you have your you have your meeting tool, whatever that is, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with those tools. You have maybe your threaded chat tool that's common, right? So a combination in that stack could be Zoom and Slack. One of the challenges that we've seen when we think about the problems that our market has and why our product aims to solve them and in what way, is something like Zoom is for a particular type of synchronous work. It's for this scheduled meeting. Now, if we roll ourselves back and think about the office, 
only one subset of synchronous time where synchronous time is you and I are together at the same time, either in video or other form. We're working at the same moment. Only one type of synchronous face-to-face work was the scheduled meeting. There's also something that I like to call the unstructured or the spontaneous Mm -hmm. sync meeting or sync work, the unstructured spontaneous connection which is the most human form of connection. It's the serendipity that we talk about. It's the spontaneity. And you can't inject that back very easily. And what ends up happening is people start to bring in more and more tools into the stack to try to inject delight, fun, spontaneity, humanity, connection. And what ends up happening is the tech stack just proliferates, but none of them actually come together cohesively to solve these problems. So One bucket of how we're different and what we aim to solve is we recognize there are other types of work. They just so happen to be the ones that are very human and sometimes associated with innovation or collaboration or breaking down silos. They just can't solve with some of these tools that were never actually, they were never made to solve them. The video conferencing wasn't intended to solve that kind of synchronous connection. It was intended to solve the scheduled meeting. And then I can go a little deeper on this as well. But another bucket of what we solve is because people have been using tech stacks of tools that weren't intended for full-time remote teams, particularly ones that are more distributed, where we end up with time zone and work hour flexibility and all these sort of chaos variables, we see side effects of that. So when customers come to us, they're often saying, I'm spending eight hours a day in Slack and I'm not sure if I'm getting anything done. And when we interrogate, why are you spending so much time in Slack? What we end up seeing is that they're using tools to solve problems that those tools weren't intended for, and they're seeing side effects of that. And so we aim to solve those problems in the intended ways. And for some teams, they may or may not keep those other tools. It just depends on the makeup of their team and what they need. But those are the two big buckets of things that we aim to do that are different. Bring back modes of work that other tools didn't solve and deal with the side effects of smashing together tools that weren't intended for particular use cases. Okay, in practical terms, if I go on your website or watch your videos of this application, this metaverse application that Sovark has, what I see is that there are these little computer game figures. They are in an office. Sometimes they sit in a conference room. Sometimes one of them sits like in a box, like looks like a sauna. Another one walks across the sofa and they communicate with each other. And then all these Zoom screens, they pop up and then people talk with each other or sometimes they show a PowerPoint-like presentation. So how does that work in practice? And what do people need to do in order to engage with this, this application? Sure. I love your description. It's both funny and exactly right. So the idea is that with, say, the metaverse as a solution, what you get is you get people working from the same place. Now, we have to obviously talk about what does that introduce. So there's like, can I be off? Do I always have to be on? But those are problems to be solved. But the big magic is that you're working from the same place and you can see other people that are with you, even if you're not interacting with them. That creates this sense of place, cohesion, impacts loneliness. And then what you can layer onto that is the ability to connect. You might connect by waving to someone. Like you said, you've got your little characters walking around. You can wave at someone. And that doesn't interrupt your or their work, but it creates this moment of recognition and connection that you actually can't get with other tools without maybe dropping someone a Slack GIF And the problem is that will notify them in the same way that something really important will notify them and they'll just end up with a lot of notifications. Mm -hmm. And so we want to break that cycle down. But then we can layer on a third piece, which you were touching on as well, is 
we can allow people to come together to work. And the atomic unit of our platform is you can just walk up to someone to connect. And we use fluid proximity audio video. So when you get close, if you're available, you will connect. Now you cannot be available, of course. And your video and audio will connect and you can choose which one you want on and off. And you can have a planned or spontaneous meeting. You can bring up your tools or just talk. And then you can just walk away. And, and that's the essence of it. And there's lots of functionality around that to, to deal with the technology considerations. But that is the essence of what it's like to work for the metaverse. So let's say I am in the virtual office, in this metaverse office. I'm working on writing an article or whatever. So do I keep this on the corner of my screen and I glance at it every now and then to see if someone is waving at me? How do I know if someone waved at me? Do I only see it when if I'm looking at the screen or there's another way to see that? Yeah, great question. So everyone's a little bit different in how they do it. So some people love to have a little version of the office up in their corner or on a second monitor if they're at home with a setup like that so that they can feel like they are actually with others. They can see like, oh, I just saw someone came in. I actually do want to grab them. Mm-hmm. Some people choose to have it all tucked away because maybe they're, they want to be in the office, but they want to be deep working. And at that point, you can control what are you alerted by? And we default to only the urgent things. So our default setting is we will not pull you from your deep work unless someone signals that they have an urgent like blocking issue and otherwise you're left to work. But when you return, whenever that next moment might be, maybe you have a meeting and you want to come back into the office. When you return from that focus mode, we'll update you on what you missed while you were gone based on what you feel is most important to you. And for different types of workers, those are different things. Managers want to know if someone's blocked. They might want to know if one of their teammates is around so they can collaborate, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Do you find that this works better for certain people, for example, extroverted people or introverted people? Do they react differently? Do you have people who really resist this? And what is their argument and how do you handle this? I think at the end of the day, the premise that we're built on is if we go all the way to, we want to come together as humans at work to do great work. To do great work, we generally work in teams and teams have different dynamics. But at the end of the day, we're usually on a team doing some version of teamwork together so that we can drive impact, drive results, make progression our careers, all those types of things. And so no matter what the composition of a team or the style of the people are, they need to work together in some way. And so what we do is we create a place where you can really lever what that looks like for you based on your preferred style and also based on how your team tends to work together. Engineers need more deep work than a sales team, which might want to collaborate all day long on sales calls. And so I think the key with any platform, and this is what we try to focus on as well, is that you should be able to adapt the virtual office to allow you to work in the way that you need to and accomplish teamwork. No one should feel like the tool is pushing them towards a style that they aren't. If you're more introverted, you spend more time on unavailable and you leverage tools like memos, which tell you based on urgency who needs you, but by default, you're never surprised. If you're more extroverted, you spend more time on available and you're delighted by people walking up to you and everything in between. So I think we really got to give the ownership to the people so that people feel great. They can work together as they need to and everything flows from there. Uh So what types of companies do you recommend try this and how do they try it? So if let's say I'm a business owner and I'm uncertain about this, I don't know anything about the metaverse, I don't want to make a mistake, I don't want to look silly. What's an easy way to test something like that? 
I love the question because our whole movement is based on that is for some teams, it's a big change. And so what we love to do is scope that way down. We say, do not change all your meetings to the office. Don't try to work here from if you're a startup 60 plus hours a week. Don't worry about that. Don't cancel your tools. The number one thing that is like the core value that we offer can be experienced in just one short block per week or however you want to do it. So what we learned from our customers who've done this really is they started with something that we've called teamwork blocks. Teamwork blocks are very simple. They're blocks on the calendar, maybe one hour, maybe two hours. It depends on the team where you work from the office. That allows you to be from one place together. Your team can decide what does that mean? Are you available? Are you unavailable? How are you doing the dynamics? We help teams. We have templates for these because teams have figured out different flavors of this. And that's it. You just have a, a, maybe you have a one hour block for the first time where you're working from the office together. That's the simple step. And what that does is it delivers the magic. It puts you in one place with your team, people you haven't seen in ages. It feels natural. It's delightful. It's not super disruptive. You see the control that you have and the benefits that you get. And from there, we watch teams take off and adopt it as it suits them. Uh So then they can roll it out or do it more hours a week. And then naturally, either it becomes part of their modus operandi, or basically, if they don't like it, then they just things continue. And with the teamwork blocks too, if you don't like that, if that doesn't actually help you, you learn that early because the core value we offer, we deliver in in those types of blocks. So it's good if you learn early, if you don't need it, and then you don't have to spend more time on it. Yeah, love it. Now, I've been reading about the metaverses that there are some big technical challenges. So one of them is resilience. So how do you, if something happens, a picture on the wall, if you spill coffee on it, maybe your program doesn't do that. But then how does it stay there? And how do you actually need this for this kind of program? Or it's a more advanced phase, which you don't have to worry about. And the other thing is the real time. Everyone has to be real time. You have a lot of people concurrently have to communicate that can overburden the system and it doesn't work. So do you experience any of these technical issues and how are you dealing with it? Yeah, I think uh, so. There's some really interesting challenges in this space. We root avoided several of them by targeting our technology to users that are more on the go, that are more mobile, that are lightweight, and our solutions are therefore not leveraging some of the really complex technology, whether hardware or software, that isn't, from our perspective, quite ready yet for some of the really standard use cases that our customers have. For example, we get asked a lot about the hardware. Are people, do they wear virtual reality headsets? They need a big computer. What's happening? How is it 3D? And there's so much benefit there, potential benefit around the immersion. But the consequence is that if the technology isn't quite ready, the burden of that ends up being on the end user who's just trying to get their work done. So we decided to say, we will build our software in a way that allows us to adapt to the technology as it gets better and better. But we're going to start with, you should be able to connect with your team on your phone. And then we go from there. And that's the experience we aim to deliver. So a lot of these challenges that we read about technology-wise about the metaverse They're coming from products that have been using very immersive technology or hardware that maybe isn't quite ready yet. And so we've root avoided that. There's another angle I could talk about as well, which is around, we we have a lot of tools that allow teams to ebb and flow between sync and async. Our idea is that we want you to feel like you can work from the office, not just have to be 
meeting in the office at all times. And so we watch teams, they they flow naturally. They have an all hands, maybe a hundred people are meeting together, but sometimes it's just five people while the others are doing deep work at their desks. And so we built ourselves to be able to handle the more natural flavor of work. That's awesome. So who would you say is the natural target market, like the sweet spot type of company that would benefit the most from this in terms of distribution, in terms of industry perhaps? Yeah, totally. So we have companies that range from early stage startup to people wanting to sit beside each other all the way through to big companies, like thousands and thousands of teammates. And we like to hone ourselves in on, we believe that we deliver really different value for painful problems that happen for companies as they go from, we're in the early stage startup, we're about that 20 20 person size growing all the way through to we're about 200 people. And the reason being is that there's so much breaking and reforming that's happening during that period. Everything's changing so much. How we share information, how we keep people connected, how we build teams, how we break down silos, how we build culture, how we hire. And we do such a great job for those problems at saying you have a place and you have tools that allow you to cut out the consequences of some of the reshaping and reforming that's happening during those moments that puts a lot of strain on digital teams in ways that we saw in person, but they're worsened and they're earlier and they're more frequent when you're digital because stuff just breaks differently. And so our target customer is right in that zone because we really do offer differentiated value there. They're knowledge workers. They're often technology companies. They're going through a lot of change in those early phases. We call them startups and scale-ups. And in terms of the team, it doesn't matter if you're co-located, but you just like to work digitally or, or from home or whatever. But we are particularly helpful for teams that are a little bit more distributed. Whether that distributed happens in terms of time zone or work hours flexibility, those can lead to the feelings of distributed. You're working at a different time than I am. We need ways to easily come together and move work forward and feel connected. So those are the traits of the companies I think that we really are helpful for. I just have a final question. We we are running out of time, but I want to ask you is, what if someone is in a different time zone? So what if I have teammates who are in India, in the Philippines? Is there any way for us to ever connect? Does the software create some kind of a, uh, I don't know, overlap? Or even if the time zones don't match, can they leave some traces of themselves so that they feel that they were there or something like that? Yeah, I love that. And what you raised is like a real problem. So we do a couple things. So we provide insights to teams to start off to say, We've assessed your distribution. You only have an hour overlap across your teammates in this one moment. And many of us, when we hired during the pandemic, we didn't factor that in. And you raised this a little bit at the start. So we say, all right, let's just level set. We'd like to share with you. You're navigating 10 time zones. The average distance is nine hours apart. You don't really have any overlap except for this one block. And so we wanted to highlight that to you. And oh, by the way, your teammates actually haven't connected in person in 10 weeks. But that one moment that you have overlap, we highly recommend teamwork blocks. Teamwork blocks is that single unit, leverage that. So that's the sort of synchronous piece. That's step one. Step two is, and what do you do about all the rest of the times? And this is where we have tools that allow you to move seamlessly from sync to async because you are handing work off. We've only had 10 minutes to sync. Now we're going to go async. I'm going to see you tomorrow where we'll be sync. How do we help teammates bridge the async moments? And we have tools that allow them to do that. And that's why I think distributed teams and what however they're distributed thing teams that have less overlap they benefit maybe a little bit more that's great 
So very exciting new technology. And I'm very curious how this could be leveraged, maybe some of my clients. So I just start talking to them. And I know that some people really freak out when they hear the metaverse. They, like my wife was really upset. Oh, it's a scam. You shouldn't even talk about this. So it's really interesting how people react to this. But the future, this is coming in many, many ways. So if you'd like to check out how you can create more cohesion in your workplace by introducing this tool, then go to serverwork.com. And so, Emma, where can people connect with you or find out more information? Should they go on YouTube or do you have video? And there are some videos on LinkedIn. What do you recommend they do? My number one recommendation is if you go to sowork.com, there's a big button right at the top that allows you to come to our office. I live in our office. I'd love to connect with you in there, not to push product on you, but just to show you what our world is like. And that's the place that we spend all of our time. So work.com, there's a link at the top. Come to our office. It's open. It's free. I'd love to see you there. So you have 24-7 office hours? We work hard. Someone is always there. And we have a distributed team. So someone is always in the office. (laughs) That's very interesting. I'm going to check into your office as well. Please do. (laughs) So Emma, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about this new technology. I think this is going to be very exciting for some companies that are struggling what to do in the post-pandemic era with their teamwork. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for having me, Steve. Thank you. 